Welcome to A Moment of Bach, where we take our favorite moments from the composer's vast musical output, just a minute's worth or even a few seconds, and show you why we think they are remarkable. We are your hosts, Alex and Christian Kiebert. The moment that Christian has chose today is from Bach's sixth cello suite, the Elamond. Bach was a lot of things, composer, virtuoso, keyboard improviser, organ technician, teacher, on and on and on. The musicologists of the 19th century added to that list, instrument inventor. They claimed that Bach invented the viola pomposa, a five-stringed viola, bit of a hybrid from the uh, older instruments that had more strings. This was used to explain a curious thing about the cello suite number six. One of the most famous snippets of Bach there is, is from a Bach cello suite, of course. I don't think we normally think of anything other than a cello, because they are, after all, called the Bach cello suites. But something funny happens when you get to the last one and you start playing it on a modern cello. You'd be surprised to learn that some of the higher passages are a bit awkward. There's even one chord in the Sarban that's almost impossible. So how did this happen? The answer lies in the instrument itself. The sixth cello suite was written for a five-stringed instrument. Cellists do still play this on a four-string cello, but only with great pains and with a modern cello. By the way, this isn't even something that's debated because actually in the manuscript, you can see right there at the top, it says sixth suite, and it says that in French, right next to it it says a cinq cordes for five strings. But that's not Bach's original, right? I don't think we have his original of this. So that's a copy. Isn't it the Anna Magdalena Bach copy? Right, but I'm not sure if it's known that it's legit or not. Like, if, if that particular notation on there is something that Bach actually wrote, I guess there's some doubt about whether she actually copied it off of a, a copy of a copy anyway, you know? Hmm, yeah. So it was considered that maybe Bach had written this for the viola pomposa, but the clef used is bass clef here. The strings appear to be those of the cello, plus a fifth higher string, that's E, E above middle C. 
So all tuned in mm. open fifths. So it's not like a viola with an extra E string. That would be more like a viola-violin hybrid if that was the case. Instead, it's more, it's a lower instrument in pitch. But more recent musicology has brought to light that it probably wasn't the viola pomposa after all, partly because of this as well. Plus the clefts being used, it's, the evidence just doesn't, it doesn't line up. So perhaps it was something more like a shoulder-mounted instrument, but bigger, like a big violin. And indeed, that's what we have here today for our recording. The first thing you'll notice when you listen to this Netherlands Bach Society recording of the sixth cello suite, played by Sergei Malov, is that he's not using a cello. But it is really a type of cello. It's the violoncello da spalla, the shoulder cello. It's even big enough that you can see it doesn't actually rest on top of his shoulder like the side of a violin would, would do. And Sergei Malov actually says, it was especially for these six suites that I had this instrument built. Cellos of Bach's time were not as capable as the ones that we have now. There were some pretty important advancements in cello technology and bow technology that happened like in the 19th century that was long after Bach and now they'll just do anything and Sergei Malov actually remarks in this companion video that the idea of of a piece of music appearing to be difficult like the effort you put in as the performer being part of the performance mm. this is a romantic idea capital yeah. R romantic this occurs in the later 1800s it's not really an aspect of Bach's musical style. In Bach, the dance suites must flow, and they are dance suites. They need to have a relaxation and ease to them. We shouldn't necessarily be playing them on modern instruments where it will be a strain to do so. But more importantly, Bach just didn't write the music that way. Because these cello suites are a little bit more like etudes, aren't they? Yes, yeah, sort of. But they're they're also artistic in their own way, and they're not they're not really to learn how to play. It's the thing that I think they're not is that they're not training on how to play a courant and a jig and so on. Because right. they're not really dances. No one's dancing to these. But yes, they are they are technical exercises of the highest order for sure. Right. But also Bach's technical stuff, you know, there's a, there's a difference between technicality and vir virtuosity. The idea of a performer being the show-stopping virtuoso. You know, Alex, this is a weird thing to this is a weird line to draw because there's all kinds of Bach instrument obligatos that are extremely hard looking and they look hard on the page and they are hard to play on baroque period instruments. Sure. So the the discussion is really more about the effect that it has because of the style of music, I guess. Like the opening violino piccolo parts to the aria in the Vakatauf cantata, for example. Or those things are hard, but it's not the same as like Paganini. It just doesn't come across. It's not about the player in those cases. Yes, and that's but that's very Bach, you know. That's very 
like him, right? He was egoless. I think it would have been weird for him to make a piece that was all about showing off. Even though some of those organ solo works of Bach's are very flamboyantly written, I would say. That's not the vibe that he had on the organ. He was extremely good at it, but it, he wasn't he wasn't a showman. Yeah, kind of a coincidence that he wasn't pompous and it's the viola pomposa that he actually did not use. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not saying I'm saying he had no hint of pomposity because I think if you read through some of the stuff about Bach's life, there's a little bit of that. Certainly he knew how good he was and wanted to be paid and recognized for that fairly. He was, yeah, he was demanding and he demanded high quality out of people, out of his musicians. And there's a, there's a great story about a musical duel, not to be confused with the story of the other real duel that happened, but <laughs> both of those are great stories. But the musical duel one where uh, he was challenged to like a, a battle of music with this other guy. That's a great story for another episode. I think we should save it. Sure. It's great. Yeah. Sergei Malov says of the Alamand of this suite that there is something transcendental about it and that Bach moves into unknown spheres. So unlike anything else, I mean, the progression of these cello suites is really remarkable that that it's even called an allemande at all. It's just, I mean, allemande is like a common meter dance, but this is just almost timeless and flowing. And the, the hops down to catch that really, really low note, it's just, it's pretty unusual melodically. The sound of this cello, this shoulder cello, is different than what we're used to in a very delightfully different way. spot to focus on today is actually a listener suggestion from listener HG. And that's the end. The last few bars of the Allemande, there's a wonderful passage right near the end. To me, that that low note is really cool. A low G? Yeah. The G. Because you think it's going to go C, B. It goes C, G. Yeah. Yeah. This moment near the end is great because if you just track the bass note, there's always a prominent lowest note. If you take those alone, you come out with a sort of skeletal bass line that has a really interesting pattern to it. And as you mentioned, Alex, there's this one C natural that seems like it's going down to a B, but it doesn't go down to a B, it goes down to a G. And then finally at the end, works its way back up to an A and then down to a D. Thank you. 
There's something to be said about the slow path towards transcendence as a way to read the cello suites. So that by the time we get to the sixth one, we have to basically invent a new string to go higher. In the Netherlands Bach Society description, they say that you might even argue that Bach allows the cellist to transcend their own instrument. And now, here is that moment from the end of the Alamand from Cello Suite Number Six. If this introduction to a musical moment has inspired you to hear the rest of Cello Suite Number no. Six, please see the link in the episode description to see that performance by Sergei Malov for the Netherlands Bach Society. Do you want to hear our new episodes as we release them? Find us on your podcast app and hit subscribe. What moment will we be talking about next week, Alex? Next week we'll break open the Well-Tempered Clavier, Book Two and look at Prelude and Fugue number 15 in G major, BWV 884. Until next time, enjoy those moments. Mm-hmm.